And now we're recording. What, you, what do you mean you, you haven't had a very motivating week? What do you mean just stayed around just the house? I just haven't, uh, you know, I haven't had a long, I haven't gone for a super long walk and I don't have a lot to do around the house right now. I've got the fertilizer down. I've done a couple of stages with the pool, but, um, do you keep reorganizing the chairs on the, on the deck? Sometimes it's just, I haven't had one of those. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Just a blah week. That's all, Howie. Yeah. You know. Oh, Maybe you should so uh, start practicing your pickleball swing. Are you guys going to do that this summer? Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, I went on back to Fred. I'm sorry. I had a, a blah week, you know. It's, some weeks are like that. When you get into your 60s, it's not as exciting yeah. as it used to be. You have to kind of, you know, keep, uh, keep it going. Keep the motivation going. Oh, I must say this, though. Part Please. of it. Like yesterday, hmm. I had my vaccine, my fourth shot on, what is today, thir- Tuesday at four. And yesterday I was a little lethargic. It's the first time other than feeling sore around my arm. It was nothing big, but there was just something. I just felt a little tight and a little blah. What was the uh, vaccine? <laughs> was it Moderna? Was it a no. Pfizer? It was Pfizer. Was it AstraZeneca? Yeah. Um, so, I only say, had I, uh, I had only one reaction that I had that reaction the first time. Not fluid. Never nothing. again. Just just like just don't feel just a bit off. Well, that's maybe all. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had what do they call that? I haven't had my fourth yet. But are we just allowed now to randomly make the appointments? Because I thought you had to wait a certain period of time, and I thought my. I thought mine was at the end of the month, but maybe it's not. I'll explain that. They, Please do they that. They say five months. Right. It's 140 days is the actual thing. Okay. I was at 133 when I went in and found out I was seven days early. I talked to the guy and he said, you know, really, they gave that five months just so they can control. They can control the traffic with it. Yes. Because if they just said, come and get it, then everybody might want it at once. You know, oh, yes. Saying? Yes, I so do. They say five months. It just sort of, but the five months is really loose, as he said to me. With this type of vaccine, my it last really vaccine was December eleventh. Yeah, so you're so, close. Yeah. I'm getting close here. Okay. Do you know? Do you know if your vac- third vaccine? Do you have any idea what the date was? November thirtieth. Yeah. Oh well, then I could I could call I could call I could get one. Yeah, and as I said, <laughs> by the book, I was seven days early, but the guy, he, he guffawed. I said, Am I too early? Am did I you go to early? a pharmacy or did you go to a no-frills like I did last time? Pharmacy. I went to the pharmacy at a no-frills. They have that now? They have what, no-frills? I mean, a pharmacy's in no-frills. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, there's a... Yes, Dan, is the answer. <laughs> wow. Yes. So Dan, no frills um, has come a long way with oh, the banana color. Seriously, and I don't know if you guys know this. I, I don't shop there a lot, but uh, they always have uh, the people who run the places' names on the signs at the no frills. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. It's like mm-hmm. they know, do. Fred and Delisa's no frills. Yeah. And yeah. I always think because that was the last time I was in one it was in December. I'm like, am I going to run into them at the no frills? Like, are they on site? 
you know, Mario and Diane or whatever. I bet I you they are. There was one in Brampton. It was like Giuseppe Spataro's. <laughs> <Elf, Elf, laughs> That's thought, right. I thought, I'll go to that one. He's an Italian guy. I bet he's into food. This will be good. This will be good. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Racial profiling. <laughs> oh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're not, you know, you're not. That's the funny thing about that. I don't know if it's political. It's, it's not political correctness. It's just you're not allowed to notice even good things about oh, other no. races. Oh, absolutely. No, Isn't that right. weird? Mm-hmm. Like you're not allowed to say that Italians know food. Well, you can. But it's it's I've, I've had this thought for a while. Like you can you can talk about ethnic food, but you really can't talk about ethnic people. You can say, I love Chinese food, but you can't say, I really love Chinese people. Right. Are your, are your screens frozen or am I making no sense no, to either no, of no, you? No, no. no, you're right. It's just, you know, and it's, yeah. You certainly can't say you don't, you can say you don't like Chinese food. I don't like Chinese mm-hmm. food. Oh, yeah, me neither. It gets my, mm-hmm. but uh, you can't say, I don't like Chinese people. Right. You can't say that. I think you can say, I like the Chinese people. I don't, I don't think, think you can. I Try it. Go to a dinner party. Say, you know what? <laughs> well, was, well, when there's why a lull like in the conversation. Yeah, exactly. It would be, well, why do you like them in particular? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you like Chinese people? Like, they're, like, what? Is there something, you know, unique about them that you could just, uh, you know, single them out as liking them? Yeah, try that when there's a lull in the conversation. Yeah. You know what, everyone? I was just thinking, Jews are fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I just I know a lot of Jews. They seem fun. Well, actually, uh, that's, that would that, that would that wouldn't be the uh, racial stereotype. You know what? That well, that whole thing. Remember, it blew up a couple of years back when they said you know Asian kids are smarter than all other kids, yeah. or something. And it was like, yeah. you think, wow, geez, I you know I wish my kid had the brain of an Asian kid. And it's like, no, oh, you can't say you can't that. say that. Can't say that, but it, I mean, it's there. The proof's in the pudding. And then that conversation drifts in. Well, it's discipline. It's the way they're brought up. They're not born with, with bigger, uh, better brains. You can't say that. Yeah, but it's it's a compliment. Well, no, not really. Well, that that's no. what I'm trying to say. You can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you're you walking can, a fine line. You're walking you're a saying. fine line. Yeah. You can like ethnic food mm-hmm. or not like it. I'm not sure. I had a great meal last night. I, I was, I ordered something. I was with Spencer, and, and I'm I'm going to talk about this after. But I had one thing last night. And I, I took a picture of it, which I almost never do. And I I took a picture because I thought I've got to show this to Fred because he will love this. This this it would be the next time we do the humble and Fred, you know, quarterly dinner or whatever. This is where we're going to go for the for the sake of this one dish. Mm-hmm. Which I will tell you about later, okay? Oh, later? Yes. We gotta wait? Well, a little teaser. A little podcast oh. teaser. Oh, coming up after we start the show. Yeah, well, once we start the show. It was also a great night last night, but I, I thought of you two for another reason. Man, I don't know when. I'm not a nervous driver at all. I'm a very confident driver, and I'm not a nervous passenger. But last night, and this is not the first time it's happened, I was unnerved in the passenger seat while my kid drove. I don't know what your guys' experience has been like, but mine last night, and again, not the first time, and they're a very competent G1 driver. 
but it was on which one was it yeah, spencer and and I wanted them to drive, and it was in the city streets, and they're all trained up, and they're ready to go for their road tests, and very competent training, in-car training. But I don't know if it is the optics of sitting in the passenger street, and passenger side as you're on narrow streets, but do you know the view from that side of the car? It always seems like yes, they're too close to the right-hand side. <laughs> yes. But in this case... They were too close to the right-hand side. And I'm, gonna, I'm not uh-huh. kidding. A couple times, I was... Spencer was talking to me, and I couldn't talk. I was trying to like, okay, well, we can talk about that when we get to the restaurant. I'm just like keeping my eye on the road. Uh-huh. Man, it freaked me out. Uh-huh. I'm being serious. Like, I, don't, I don't remember ever feeling like that. I, you know what I think uh, part of that is? It's um, uh, consequences. It's... Like, I'd be sitting there afraid that we were going to bump into something, and then what would we have to go through? Um, because, you know, the slightest of accidents or collisions involve so much nowadays. You know what I mean? Fred, I was afraid we were going to bump into someone. <laughs> like, yeah. there were a few moments, and, mm-hmm. and again, Spencer knows all the rules, and, and if any, I'm sure somebody else driving would be fine, but... It was just the proximity, the spatial orientation, Dan, to the right-hand mm-hmm. side of the road just seemed yeah. way off to me. Well, a couple of years, I was like that a couple of years ago, and it had nothing to do with his driving. My buddy Doug, when we went to Ireland, Scotland, and England, he did all the driving. It was great. But again, reverse, so I'm on the left side, right? And a lot of times while driving, my body actually moved because yeah. I thought stuff on that side we were going to hit. Now, it was the orientation of being on the opposite side and just feeling stuff coming at you from, a, again, a different side. But a couple of times he said to me, what? And I said, not, nothing. You know, it, honestly, it's not your fault. It's just I'm not used to that stuff on that side, you know. I'm not exaggerating. A couple times, I, I, I honestly had my hands up. I thought maybe it would be better if I just don't see. Because I, yeah. I know they know what they're doing. It wasn't a matter of that. This isn't a new driver. This is an inexperienced driver. But I was kind of like this, Dan. Half like, <laughs> like I was watching, yeah. watching a scary movie. I thought, I better not look at this. I think it's twofold. One is that your, your guys are drive all the time. have got to be in control. So there's that side of it. And there's also that it's your kid. Yes. And you know your kid, you know, as, I don't know, a four-year-old in your brain or something. Mm-hmm. So you're not sure that they have the competency. You know they do, but you're not, you know, grounded in that, right? So there's two things at play, I think. That's my analysis of the situation. No, I think you're right. I, I You know, that's why I, I wanted to pre- um, preface it by saying I didn't think Spencer's a bad driver. I just was... I just find it unnerving being on that side. And not, I, honestly, Dan or you or Fred or Rachel, I, I have no problem. I don't care. I know you can drive in it. And, but for some reason, new drivers all do this. They're all f- closer to the right-hand side. It makes sense because you want to stay away from oncoming traffic. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, no, but you know what I mean? Like, we, mm-hmm. we tend to, they won't, I, I've been with, and, and Charlie was like this, Spencer's like this. They just shade away from the center more so than we would. Do you say anything? Did you say anything? <laughs> I tried. I, I was like, no, no, you're doing great. And Spencer yeah, kept saying, was you know, she? Was she not doing great? There were some moments where it was a bit close for me. Okay. Did you say something? Was that, was that, if I had been that close, would you have reacted the same way? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
like close to was, like you know we're driving down Bloor and I don't know if you guys have done this Bloor Street like a lot of streets in Toronto are two lanes and then bike lanes and on Bloor there's parking I don't know if you, I'm describing this Dan you know what I'm talking about where there's parking in the, the street so there's cars not just parked by the curb they're out on that second lane do you know what right. I'm talking about? Yeah, I know they, a, a couple, they've chewed up the lane with the exactly. parking plus so, bike lane. Yeah, so it's narrow parking plus. So it's narrow. But there were a couple times we were way too close to that car, and I sort of reacted. <laughs> I tried. Well, man, I tried not to though. I'm at a with Delise and I now. Sometimes she, I notice she's staying more than she used to when I'm driving. And I, you know, and I don't know if it's my driving or just it comes with age with a woman or whatever. Because, you know, she's had a lot more road incidents than I have. Oh, yes, she has. But I make a point now that if I'm driving with her and there's something where I'm like, ah, ah, I don't say anything. Because I know what it's like when I'm driving and she says something. Mm-hmm. It's unnerving. It's unsettling. Like oh, yeah. there's And often it's it's needless, you know. And so I make sure that. I don't do that. I want you to know I tried my best. And the only time I reacted is I really thought at one point we were going to hit the car that was parked in that. What'd you call it, Dan? The parking plus lane. And if you people listening don't know what we're talking about, basically Mm -hmm. there's the lanes, two lanes traffic going opposite direction. Then in the next lane is a car parked. Out uh, from the curb, and we, uh, the, I, I reacted once where it looked like we were going to hit that car. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I couldn't help it. Did you uh, scream or? No, I just oh, made out like a ah, like a ah. Oh, and ah, it's like ah. Oh, yeah, and that that helped. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, I tried my best, and for the most part, I was just being encouraging. And oh, you're doing great. A couple times it. We were it looked like we were going to turn down a, a one way, and I said, "Isn't that a one way?" And Spencer was like, "No, it's the." I just the the sign was a bit skewed, so I thought we were going the wrong way just for a second. Anyway, just shut up, old man. I know. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> passive aggressive. That eh. no, again, Dan, 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 it wasn't. Honestly, guys, I know you think that I'm being uh, overdoing it, but I'll tell you, one time when I went ah, I really thought we were going to hit the car. I, I can't help. Yeah, but it. you didn't. It was close. <laughs> and believe me, it was, it was closer yeah. than it should have been. Well, you play those law of averages, too. Like, how often in a day do you go down? Do you drive down a road and there's all sorts of young drivers stopped because they've sideswiped something on the side of the road? Well, last night there was going to be one. Um, you know, I, what I thought about when, like, I got my license on the day I turned 16. I'm sure you guys were close. But Dan and I at least grew up in it. I grew up driving you know, pretty wide open streets and, you know, my, I got, I learned, I got to be able to drive in a smaller town where, you know, it's more latitude. It's yeah. Not, not as risky. We were at, we, we were on college in Bloor last night around Ossington and, you know, downtown Toronto. There's a lot of activity going on. It's not like there's a ditch and a cow. Pasture <laughs> That's <to> right. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, um, I didn't get mine till I was 18. Weird, eh? But I didn't. Not uh, by today's standards. No, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. A couple of my buddies had it, and they did most of the driving. And I, I really didn't get my license until I had the chance to get a vehicle. Not that I couldn't have used my parents. What about you, Dan? Did you get your license on 16th birthday? Learned to uh, drive on the ranch at 12. I had uh, 14. I had my learner's parent permit in Alberta. And then yep. at 16, I was a driver. 
mm-hmm. you could never do that especially in ontario now brampton a kid at 14 again the consequences attached to the liability and stuff now how yeah. complex it is but you know alberta oh, yeah. saskatchewan didn't do that alberta i think mm-hmm. was the only province at the time and maybe they don't even do it anymore the reason they did is because 14 year olds were helping out on the farm saskatchewan i had my life or my my learners at 15 but yeah, yeah it's a lot more complicated here in the big city yeah. um speaking of the big city down there on saturday you know to me nice place to visit the odd time but man i'll tell you for somebody that spends most of their time out in the sticks that's an overwhelming place now mm-hmm. all those condo towers and all the people and the you know in every building that's built it's one less parking lot and the cars jammed on the streets and it's and, you know, again, it's a wonderful thing with all those condos, but I look up and I see one little balcony on one huge building, and I think, you know, people, it's great if that's what you want, like, to live there. And every time you want to come down to the street, you have to come down the elevator and all that stuff and then be one of the ants crawling around this. It's just bizarre to me. It just is. And I know that's age and where I'm from, but... I found it overwhelming. And a lot of that stuff comes, I think, with age. Like, the way you react in a car, I think, the older you get, I don't know what it is. Um, two things. It was too much for me. You know, I, I actually thought to myself, am I reacting, would I react like this if I were 52 and not 62? Or I said to myself, would I react like this if we were still living in Oakville and the suburbs and yeah. a little bit yeah. wider spaces? Right. So I admit that maybe some of that reaction was age related but i can i'm just assure the two of you that it was closer than i'm making it but as far as the city goes like i drove into the you know i live in the city but i was on the gardener last night on the way to pick her up and the the line of traffic coming out of toronto at six o'clock last night i i thought myself how how would that be that's your next hour and a half of your life just sitting there trying to get out of here well look at the decisions that are made do i want to pay a million dollars for a 900 uh, square foot condo even if i married maybe with a kid and just be down there all the time or do i want to pay a million dollars for a, a house with a backyard but have to go through that shit every night no exactly traffic and, like it's a tough decision i'd almost lean towards staying in the city i don't know dan we when when you lived on in the Bloor West Village, and I lived in that neighborhood, you know, that's the city, but not the city that he's talking about. Like, where Rachel right, yeah. lives. Oh, yeah, Rachel yeah. lives in the East End. You're in the... Like, when I'm at her place, I feel more like live, like we're living downtown because you're amongst all of it. But right. what you said there is what I thought. Those people don't... They're not going out. They're not leaving. They're just staying in their two or three block radius, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. where Danny lives... I, other than him traveling, I don't imagine he strays too far from that area. Probably not. You know, and it's different for a single guy with no strings attached. Because I can understand. Say, you live in that environment, you have a kid or two, and then you start thinking, oh, this is too tight. They need to be have a backyard and all the pressure that comes with that. So you find yourself... You know, you don't have the stress of commuting, and then all of a sudden, you do. Mm-hmm. Like, what's worse? Stress of thinking your kid should have a backyard, or having to find your way to Burlington, or freaking Hamilton every night I don't from know. the city. What do you say, Dan? 
here's the thing. You, 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 I think you're, you're like you're in Brampton and you're where you know wider open spaces and all that. And then you get into the busy bustle of downtown where you're not in every day, and that's a little bit overwhelming. Okay. I know my when my sister uh, visited uh, from out west, she came. She lives in uh, Cold Lake, Alberta, so she came out here and was you know really nervous about traveling in the 401 and all that. And so she's you know it's it's a matter of familiarity. Mm-hmm. But don't forget that there is lots of public space you can get you know down to the lakeshore pretty quick and walk along there and there's there's lots of park spaces that you can find something and then you know every once in a while you rent a car and get out of town now i know oh dan see dan's always looking at the bright side of everything and he's you know he makes us better by just being alive (laughs) but but, you know there's there's peer pressure and you know what you're supposed to do at certain stages of your life and all that bullshit you know, when I was working in Peterborough, I was a program director. Well, a program director. Oh, yeah. Peterborough. We Is had, it time to start the show? <laughs> we had two guys. No, Maybe. seriously. We had two guys on staff that couldn't travel to the city. So if Chorus had a thing, like, where announcers had to go in or there was some event, which popped up the odd time. They couldn't go. They were too stressed out. So they would have to. Somebody else would have too to. Too stressed out to go to downtown Peterborough? No, downtown Toronto. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Like it was too much for them. <laughs> they, they would be too stressed out a couple of days before. So it would be like, oh, okay, so-and-so can't go. So somebody else has to go. Well, why can't he go? Well, he's too stressed out going into the city. It's like, oh, wow. All right. Add that to the I can't even imagine saying that out loud. Uh, yeah, that remote on no. Saturday is not going to work for me. Why is that, Howard? I don't know. The city, it's too much. What? It was two of them. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun. Of, well, I am making fun of mental illness, but I just in my, I just can't imagine at any stage of my career saying to my PD, yeah, I, I just can't go. I'm stressed out about the city. Well, especially I, when you think, oh, so-and-so would love that. This would be a good thing for them. And then you go, and it's like you send them into like a fucking tizzy because... Now they're all stressed out because they have to go to the city. <laughs> I like to see somebody in a nice tizzy. I will say this is funny because when I am in that, not so much in this neighborhood, because behind us here in our studios is a little neighborhood. There's houses and little houses. People can have families and it's fine. But I often see, I've seen this, where I see a young family, you know, a couple with their baby in the East End in the city. And I've thought that. I thought, I guess this is the choice they've made. That this is where they're going to do that, whereas when I was at this stage of life, it was like, okay, I want to have a bigger home, so I started to yeah. think about leaving the city. Because we, when I first moved here, I lived in you know basically a similar neighborhood to this for four or five years. My point is, those kids have made a choice, and there's a whole world of, as Dan said, there's a whole world of living in Toronto that doesn't look like Oakville or Brampton, that... You know, I guess if that's the choice you've made or if that's all you've ever known, you can have a, it's fine. You know, he's a different life than you have or I had. There's no, there's no pool. And the way other things have changed, when I was in my late teens or whatever it was, my dad, we lived in Scarborough, but he worked for Loblaws for years and they moved the warehouse to Mississauga. So he would commute from Scarborough to Mississauga. And in the summers, a couple of summers, I worked there. Well, we'd get up in the morning and drive from Scarborough to Mississauga. Traffic wasn't an issue. Distance was. But you just got on the 401 and went. Like, you went 60, 70 miles an hour the whole way. Hmm. You know? It just was never an issue. Give me some perspective. What do you mean? Like, there wasn't... uh, This was in the early 70s. There was no traffic? Oh, no. You can't do it now. Yeah. No, the the traffic was thin Hmm. enough that it had flow. 
So the thing was, it, you know, it was a 45, 50 minute drive. That that was the issue. Oh, yeah, right. 45, 50 minutes. It wasn't. It's a 45, 50 minute drive, but it takes me two hours because of traffic. <laughs> no, like, I know. Like you would say today, it just it was just the traffic flow. And when I was a sportscaster in Brampton, if there was a news conference. When the when we were working in Bram, if there was a news ca- conference in downtown Toronto, I just got in the car and I was there in twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, you couldn't do that now. Well, I'm just saying, if you were going to go you know? from Scarborough to Mississauga, first of all, it's not fifty minutes. Secondly, you'd have to plan it. That's the thing about living in the city. Yeah. Anytime you do anything, you have to plan it like it's a uh, summit yeah. uh, ascent. You know, okay, okay, I have my supplies. It'll be there an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, what if I have to pee? That's my new thing. How long is this trip going to be? Do I have to pee before I go? Uh, Dan, are you ready emotionally to start this show? <clears throat> no, I think I have to regroup. I know. <clears throat> it's the long, this is now officially the longest pre-show. The longest. Uh, it's yeah, a yeah, long pre-show. Yeah. Uh, Dan Duran, please make your morning announcements. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the western shores of Shemong Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and HealthGage. And now here are two men who think that the Easter bunnies, Easter chicks, and Easter eggs are stupid. But chocolate Easter bunnies, chocolate Easter chicks, and chocolate Easter eggs are not. Which you can get, by the way, at Chubba Nicky's No Frills in Peterborough, by. <laughs> it's Tumble and Fred. How, Dan, do you know, in the Bible, do you have a sense of how old Mary was? When she announced that she was pregnant with Jesus, do you, uh, I just read it this morning. I, I, I didn't know this. I knew she was young. Of course, it was yeah. Bethlehem back in the thousands of years ago, and you know, young women had babies early, so it wasn't out of wasn't out of the early eighteen or something. I, I fourteen, just, Dan. Fourteen. Oh, really? Yes. In biblical know. times, if you were eighteen and you hadn't had like six or seven kids, there was obviously something wrong with you, and you were. That's because people died when they were thirty. Or sorry, yeah. in Jesus's case, thirty-three. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that. I didn't know she, it makes sense, but I didn't realize she was only fourteen years old. I never even thought about it. To show, be honest, yeah. never yeah. thought well, about me that neither. part of it. You yeah. think, hey, same she got, thing with Joseph. How old was Joseph then? Do you have that? And that those he stats? just got his learner's permit in Alberta, so he, <laughs> he was he just got his he his just got his G one to drive a wagon. <laughs> Yeah. You're not laughing. What is your... You're scowling at me. What do you... You don't believe any of that? I just saw your last girlfriend was 14. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Seems like a long time ago, but yes, at one time. Times have changed. Times have changed. (laughs) Uh, Mike, back to driving. Mike, I've told you this before. I've been with Rachel... This is our fifth year, and uh, for the first year, I didn't realize I wasn't a very good driver, but on day one of year two, she started telling me some of the things I was doing wrong. I was like, oh, that's interesting. For the first 365 days of our relationship, I seemed okay behind the wheel. (laughs) Yeah, funny how that works. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Have Have you become a better driver then? Not really. I get a lot of this now. I would have, I would have, this is what I would do. I would go down because it's like an episode of Seinfeld whenever we're in the city about where I should be driving. If we're driving in the city, she feels she knows it better than I do, which is. Oh, funny. so it's like a, a, a personal version of Waze 
<laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. That is very good. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Dan, you're uh, you're uh, you're back with some news in about uh, I don't know. Come back in about a half an hour. Fred and I'll air out some stuff here that we have uh, on our pa- on our plate. All right. Um, maybe I'll save the updated Easter weekend joke bit for when you're back. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I got to be around for that. And uh, you know. if you want to check out that Florida story. Yep. Have a look at that. And thanks for that uh, article about Gilbert Gottfried. Maybe I'll uh, air that out a little bit today, too. Oh, you did read it then? I did, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Very interesting. Thank you. Speaking of Gilbert Gottfried, I know we're going to read some emails. Yes, we should get to that at some point. Yep. (laughs) A guy guy that's listened to our show reminded us that since we've done the podcast, we (laughs) did an interview with Gilbert Gottfried. It was on the phone. Maybe that's what I was thinking of yesterday. Remember I said I remember doing something on the phone, but I thought it was at Mojo. No, you were right. Yeah, but so I sent a a note to Boone saying this morning, can you quickly search that? And he has, and he's got the interview. All right, excellent. Yeah, yeah. There was I saw that bo- n- note from Boone, and I there's a couple things I have to ask him about. I, I didn't really understand something about your funeral jams. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, I don't know what what music we uh, played at our funeral. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's, I, maybe I thought there was something else too because he said Fred, and then in brackets and Howard, like there was something that some funeral thing you guys had planned. Anyway, I want to get back to something about the city in a second, but first we should. We should definitely take a second here, if you have uh, something uh, in front of you, to acknowledge some of the fine you know, people that are making this program available each and every day. Well, he explained it yesterday, the retirement Sherpa income splitting and how important that can be in wealth building. You have to think now about splitting your income later. And it really, really is a valuable thing to do. A great way to, you know, reduce your taxes in your retirement years or, you know, when you leave your job. So something to keep in mind. Listen, there's a long list of things. And he also made the point, you know, doing your own taxes. That's great if you think you're losing, uh, if uh, you think you're saving money. Mm-hmm. But are you really? Are you really? Because the proper people doing your taxes can uncover and discover things that maybe that would fly over your head or not be in the program you're using because they're not always great. The Retirement Sherpa brought all this to the table yesterday. Tim is a uh, portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, retirementsherpa.ca. I'm not sure if you're, you've turned your mic down or you're just talking to a different spot. Just make sure. Yeah, I had to just pot you up there for a second, which I don't normally do. You know, uh, Marilyn Dennis, you heard of her? Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, she's been uh, iconic in this. Can you say? I guess she's an icon. Mm-hmm. For you people who don't know, she was part of the Roger, Rick, and Marilyn show. And now for years, she's been the, I guess, after Rick left and then Roger left and the, they brought in somebody else. But mainly, it's the Marilyn show. Really, you can't argue. I've known Marilyn. Dan and I have known Marilyn. Since we worked in Calgary, and you can't argue, she's one of the most uh, popular radio and television personalities. But I wonder, I mean, you and I know this. I wonder what it's like, because I was at a light yesterday on Spadina, and there's a big billboard or bus board or whatever from uh, talking about the morning show with Adam Wilde. I think it's Virgin 99.9. I think they're on the Virgin morning show with Adam, Max, and TJ. Something like that. Yeah, and I thought to myself, isn't because I've again I've known Marilyn since before Adam was born. 
I wonder how weird it would be for you and I. I guess I'm sorry. The point is he's Marilyn's son. Yes. I haven't talked to Marilyn for a while, but I have. I know Adam a little bit because he was in the building when I was at Standard there one of the times. And he's a great kid. And I thought to myself, I wonder what that's like. You know, Easter weekend and Adam's coming over and all the holidays. And, you know, she's, again, long time radio morning icon. And is that weird? Would that be weird if you and I were competing against Dan and Charlie? Danny, your son? Yeah, that is interesting because on some level they are competing. Yeah. Well, it's and, and they're similar audiences they're going after, like 99.9. Nine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They are competing because mm-hmm. he's on at the same time as his mom. Which is a whole other thing. Because they work for the same company in the same building, studio side by side. Why would you design two radio stations going after a similar audience? But anyway, that's a whole other question. <laughs> yeah, why, why wouldn't you is the <laughs> question. Anyway, I just thought, I just thought of that yesterday. I thought, I just wonder what that would be like for us. It's like Humble and Fred against uh, Charlie and Dan. It's like, what? (laughs) And and, I didn't realize. win. Yeah, of course. I I didn't realize. I guess they are in the same building there on Green Street. Yeah. Like the studio. uh, In fact, I think they can see each other all morning. So weird. Well, I guess then I guess that that you've answered my question. They're not working for a competing company. So I'm sure it's all, you know, super lovey dovey and. Uh-huh. I wonder, uh, do they talk about ratings? Uh-huh. I don't know. Or what about when he goes in for a raise and says, I want Maryland money? <laughs> <laughs> and they say, well, just wait a few years. You'll get it. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. You see, Hi because guys. she'll die and give you the money. Uh-huh. Uh, we got a ton of your emails. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Uh, I don't know, I've, you've got them in front of you. I'm just going to open up mine here. So wherever you want to start, just go ahead uh, in any particular order. I'll just follow along. Okay, right off the top. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, to Howard from Dwayne Hickey, I thought it was odd that Russia was demanding buyers of their oil to be paid in Russian ruble. My understanding that the ruble was not worth much. I also agree with Fred that it doesn't make much sense to flatten cities if you plan to take over a country to gain more territory. I watched the following short video and then thought that Russia's aggression towards Ukraine might be because of the petrodollar. Mm. Anyway, this was just uh, from Dwayne Hickey, a uh, very political uh, opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, we, see, we read them all. Uh, again, there's no funny funny in that or anything. It was just uh, his opinion. So thank you for that. Thank you. And Dwayne uh, also followed up uh, with another long email. You know how if you're new like this, so which is, which is fine. Dwayne, he knows the program, but this next email seems like it's like four or five paragraphs. Basically, he talked about what's very cool about it is he... Um, Went to Costco, picked up some sirloin steak. It comes in on the Noom register as a yellow. Interesting. Uh, talked about cooking. Going to he's down. By the way, he's on Noom and he's down twenty five pounds since January, which is amazing. He recommends we watch uh, Fahrenheit nine eleven, which we've seen, and uh, we say thank you, Dwayne Hickey, for uh, your two emails. Now, do you want me to get the penis song while you talk? While you. Uh, 
Well, then I'm just going to do this next one because it um, it deals with meat as well. Okay, do that. Excellent. Uh, Jillian Gordon, hello, Howard and Fred. I have a solution to high beef prices and meat prices. Stop shopping at Sobeys and try Loblaws or Value Mart. They regularly have meat at 50 and 30% off. And she provided a couple of pictures. I only buy meat like this and it goes into the freezer if you don't eat it that day. Now, what she's referring to is when you go uh, to the meat counter, and this happens at the Metro near me, more than the Sobeys near me, where it's sort of the last day, the best before date on the meat has arrived, so they put a sticker on that says 50 or 30% off. And, uh, you know, it's great value if you want to eat it that day, or again, bring it home and put it right in the freezer. Do, do, you, ever, do you ever do that? <laughs> do, yeah, is that, that something, is that something you do? Yeah, because if I go over and I see that meat, what I do is I grab it immediately because it's great value. Mm. But what I do, I don't bring it into the house so Delise can see it because, of course, she would turn her nose up at it. The fact that it had a sticker, uh, you know, she doesn't she the idea of value meat wouldn't really sit well with her. <laughs> no. So I either take the sticker off before I get into the house. But if it's on there too much, what I'll do is whip right into the house, take it right down to the freezer without her seeing it and put it in. And then what I'll do, if she's having a shower out of the house, I'll go get it and then put it in a Ziploc bag so the sticker can't be seen. I have a whole system. <laughs> wow. But, hey, neighbor John, I was telling you, too, when he had six kids living at home, that's what he'd do on a summer evening. And if he wanted a barbecue, he'd go into A&P and he'd just grab all the stuff and the 50% off and bring it right home and cook it. It was great value. And isn't, isn't it funny? Like, I would have no problem taking that home. On that mm-hmm. day, and even waiting a day or two, because as we were saying, this was off the air yesterday. Yeah. It's not like that best before date is going to be like, oh, you better cook it by six. You eat, and you can freeze it. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. But I don't know. I, again, I, I would have the same thing. I wouldn't bring home the one that says 30% off, but I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't, and I don't. Hi, guys. Okay, here's the penis song. Hi, guys. This came to us from Keith Weiland, who is a longtime supporter of the program. And it just says to uh, says, you're welcome. He says a very, very short email. And what it is, I'll just play a little bit of it. The following was taken from a PSA in 1984 public service announcement made to warn children about molestation. So that oh. that was the public service that this song, and, and it's just a guy, some young guy, earnest television guy with a guitar singing a song about the parts of your body so that children know what they're called. Here we go. Take us a second. Just hang on. A lion's not a kitty cat, whether wild or tame, but people sometimes try to give a thing a different name. We often feel embarrassed or even feel some shame. But when speaking of our private parts, here's what to proclaim. That 
Penis is what boys have down in front. Penis is the word, though it seems blunt. All boys have a penis, so no matter what you've heard, remember that penis is the proper word. Vulva, Vulva. is what girls have down below. Even though most people call it vagina, and some children call it Virginia. Vulva, when she's naked it will show All girls have a vulva, so no matter what you heard Remember that vulva is the proper word And uh, there it goes on from there So that's the penis and vulva song Each person For years, Delise drove a Volvo and that was my <laughs> joke Are you taking the vulva? Of course <laughs> mm. I, You know, I, it's, yeah. so, it's so funny Things like Volvo and uh, Regina like, I can't, mm-hmm. even as a kid, I couldn't hear mm-hmm. the word Regina without going, you mean vagina? Mm-hmm. Idiots. Uh, all right. Thank you, Keith <laughs> Weiland. And uh, we continue now. So many more. We have the best video. We have the best emails. We have... Uh, uh, Mark McFadden. Yes. Hi, guys. I know that its intended purpose is to start forest fires, but couldn't the space laser be pointed <laughs> at the Kremlin? Good question. Yes. Or better yet, chase Putin around like an ant with a magnifying glass. Great idea. I'll hang up and listen to your response. Hey, man. Hey, Mark McFadden. Very nice, Mark. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. I think he's referring to the space laser that the Jewish people are. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not really allowed to talk about it. Just know we have it. And we're not afraid to use it. Uh, this is from uh, Gord. And this is going to be, I think, an interesting discussion. Gord says, hey, guys, since Fred keeps saying it doesn't make sense to wear a mask while entering a stadium or a restaurant. Just going pu- to park that for you for a second, because last night was the first time I have entered a restaurant and, you know, had to go to the washroom, of course, sat down and left the restaurant without ever putting a mask on. And the place was packed. And I thought to myself, why am I not doing this now? Just weird how quickly, you know, that habit has dissipated. Great. Uh, by the way, great story this morning about the wastewater. It's really plateauing. So, okay. Very encouraging. But I, I, I wanted to let me get through Gord here because I wanted to throw something at you because I think we're all being a little bit naive that there, there, there may be masking coming back, but I'll just let you sit with Gord here for a second. He says, if you're in a stadium with 50,000 people, uh, if you're contagious when you sit down, you probably have about 10 people around you that will have close interaction with, but as you walk through a crowd to your seat or the restroom, you'll interact with hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps very closely at choke points. Uh-huh. Put another way, if you don't have... COVID, the more maskless interactions you have, the higher the chance of an interaction with an affected person. The scale in a restaurant is different. I agree, but the same principle. Stay strong and healthy, <clears throat> says <throat> Gord. What do you say? Well, I can't argue with that. It makes sense. You know? And as I said, when I entered the Sky Dome, I like to call it Sky Dome the other day. Um, I wore my mask to and from but part of me is thinking twofold is this doing anything because of all the people and i'm just about to sit down and have a beer and take it off and the type of mask that i use just you know the little disposable blue ones that, yeah. is it doing anything but as i can't argue with that it makes sense to me and and i mm-hmm. it does to me too but i mm-hmm. i'm curious though 
like I'm seeing some stories. There's a new variant. I, I don't even remember its name now. What is it called? <clears throat> X something. Oh, I don't know. But my point is they're starting to instate, reinstate mask mandates in the states, Philadelphia, several other American cities. And I'm just wondering, and I don't have the answer. Why aren't, why are we acting this way? Like, which is strange because we've always erred on the side of sort of too much. As you said the other day, the Uh most locked down city in North America. I think part of the mindset is, listen, we've pretty well established this is never going away. So I guess it's, putting it to the test and as i said the the latest and listen even since <clears throat> all the restrictions ended in the masks ending the stuff has popped up a bit but really not dramatically they might want to throw 25 percent at you but the thing is so it's gone from 150 to 170 which given what we've all been doing isn't a lot and now when the wastewater comes in and it's plateauing <clears throat> You know, maybe we're, we're, we'll be just fine doing what we're doing and continue to leave it up to the individual. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Like I said, I, I don't know why I was on the way home last night kind of thinking about this. Like, why didn't I or Spencer or anyone, you know who had masks on in that restaurant? All the servers. Which is good. And that's a good business practice. I thought so, too. And I thought, okay, well, that makes sense because Mm -hmm. they're interacting with strangers for whatever their shift is. Mm -hmm. By the way, are you do you have any do you want to guess what I had that I took a picture of for you that I thought you would enjoy so much? Calamari. Damn it. It was octopus. Oh, octopus. Freddie, isn't it good? The best as a mainer. No, no. Is this is the oh. kind of restaurant where you order dishes? Oh, okay. Like shareable dishes, and uh, honestly, it was a big it was a big deal for Spencer and I. It was our anniversary, so oh. soberversary, and I said to her, "I'm going to take you someplace. I don't care what it costs. I just want." It. And she said, "Charlie," he said, "No, no, no, just the two of us." Yeah. And, and they picked this restaurant, and I'm going to tell you, it was worth every dime that it cost me. It was one of the That's nice. nice. You know, I had such a nice night with them, mm-hmm. and and they and Spencer had been there once before for an occasion. So they knew what to order and all the little dishes. And I didn't think, I don't like octopus. I don't know if I want to have octopus. And it was, it was expensive. Mm. But Fred, it was one of the best things I've best. I don't know that I've ever had better octopus. It was exactly as you described it. Grilled to perfection in this kind of creamy sort of, but lightly seasoned. Gar- I, I, I'm telling you, it was mm-hmm. amazing. I yeah. said, Spencer said, what are you doing? I said, I got to take a picture for Frank. Because <laughs> I will tell you, if we are going to do another like a dinner with uh, Rachel and, mm-hmm. and Dole, this is where I recommend we go. Oh, sounds good to me. And, and honestly, it'll be that it'll that you will love it. It was just right up your alley. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I've told you about that place in Tarpon Springs, Florida, where me and buddy Darren have been. And it's like the manor is octopus. And they come, and on your plate is a freaking octopus. But the way it's grilled and everything is just so delicious. And I told Niblet about it, because he's just in a town north of there. And he went down, and he had it, and he loved it. And I hope one day you can experience it. Well, I will tell you, I don't normally... I'm not a big calamari guy. I do like the <laughs> grilled calamari versus the breaded. But I don't, oh, know, yeah. I don't know that I've ordered octopus. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not that I was... I didn't put up a fuss, really. I went, okay, Spenny, you know, I didn't know, again, not knowing if I'm going to like it. But 
uh, it was funny. I was, I was dipping other things in the octopus sauce, whatever the thing they were, whatever it was, but the octopus was amazing, but not cheap. And uh, if you're wondering, if you're listening and you're wondering, it was a place called Bar Isabel on uh, college. It's interesting, too, how many people you would say, uh, you would say, I'm going to get the oct- octopus. Mm-hmm. Just the thought of it is disgusting. How many people don't get to enjoy delicacies because they can't get over what it is mm-hmm. when it's and I, I've never been like that. I'll try anything. And I'm so glad octopus is in my world for everything you've just said. Have you ever made it? No. I've never made calamari. Oh, I, oh, maybe I've made calamari, but that's one of those things I enjoy more in a restaurant. Yeah, I was going to say, because mm-hmm. we've had this conversation about mm-hmm. what to order in a restaurant, and, you know, we both agree. Like, the criteria for me is, like, I, like, there's lots of stuff I could make at home. Well, I want to have something in a restaurant that I could never make. Like, there was a couple of dishes last night. There was another dish that was ceviche mm-hmm. and just some chips, like taco-type chips. Yeah. God damn it. Like, yeah. I could I can't even it was so good. And I'm not I'm not very good at picking uh-huh. out flavors inside of a dish. Rachel is amazing at it. Well, this is garlic and I can taste some orange and, and I'm like, "Wow." Uh-huh. But I could taste some things in there like just the Again, I, I have never been there before, and the food was so good. I, I, that's one of the first things I thought is, "Oh, we got to take Freddie here. We'll love this." You know what I love in a restaurant that I would never make at home is uh liver and onions. Yeah. Oh, I love liver and onions, Gross. but I, I would never think of making it at home for whatever reason. Conversely, I would never order spaghetti in a restaurant because I, what traditionally I've had at home, I've never, ever had spaghetti in a restaurant to measure up to it. So I'm playing both sides there, but you don't like liver and onions? No, no, no. I, I do enjoy a nice spleen, though. <laughs> Just enjoy a beautiful spleen. Uh, why don't you read the next? Uh, well, actually, there's one there. If you want to skip to the uh, Don Patterson right. one, yeah, do that. I'll do the other one. Okay, Don Patterson hits the road. Donnie Patterson is Howard knows Donnie. It's one of the, one of the most gentle and wonderful people I know. I love him like a brother. Uh, we met at the Tin Palace way back in the early 90s. We have been close friends ever since. Anyway, this says, hi, guys. This is from a guy named uh, Norm Chidley. For the past four years, I have had the pleasure, yes, the pleasure of working with Donnie Patterson at Sunderland Co-op. On Thursday, that's today, he's hitting the road to retirement in his RV. And I know that as I've had conversations with him about that. We occasionally compare notes on listening to your podcast. Just wanted to send on a shout out, shout out for his retirement travels. Again, regards Norm Chidley. What a nice, nice email to send us. And I didn't know it was actually today that Donnie was packing it in, but... Yeah, he's bought an RV, and he's going to travel North America over the next few years, and I'm so excited for him. Great guy. Well, congratulations, Don. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, when the last time we've uh, interacted, but every time we have, it's he's just a sweet, sweet guy. You know who else is doing, not officially retired, and but he's RVing around uh, the continent. It's my buddy Dave. Our, he's He's yeah. got this beautiful RV, and yeah. When I was in, I, I was talking to him because he was he basically parked it down south this winter. He has an RV pulling a trailer that inside in the in the trailer is a jeep and a motorcycle. 
That's fantastic. It is fantastic. And I was going to say, you know, there were places that we saw, I saw in California that were sort of luxury RV spots, mm-hmm. you know, like almost like gated community where you park your your vehicle yep. and they've got like uh, all the amenities and pools and such. And I'm like, that's a pretty good way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, keep when your house I, with when you. When I was down, down in Panama City Beach, Donnie sent me a... Uh an email or a, a text saying, hey, next uh, winter, I plan on being at this particular uh, park near Panama City. What do you know about it? So I jumped in the car and drove over there and took a bunch of, uh, bunch of pictures for him. And it was a pretty cool place. Same thing, you know, looked really nice. Uh, they have, you know, pools and uh, all sorts of recreational facilities there. And it's a nice lifestyle if you're into it. My, co- my cousin does it as well. He just got home and he went all through southern Texas and New Mexico this winter. Yeah, I mean, the driving part aside, what Dave says is you can, Mm -hmm. on your way, on the road, and maybe you knew this, I didn't, but that, like, Walmart allows you to park it in their parking lots overnight. Like, you can... Yeah. Did you know that? I I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I heard something like that, yes. That a company would be like, yeah, go ahead, park your camper here. (laughs) Seems odd, but anyway. Well... Buddy Darren, who we often refer to on this show, he's always on me. He said, we should just get on the road and drive, and you, wherever we are, you can do the show. Like, we could be anywhere, and you just get up that morning and do the show. Let's just go and hit the road. But I haven't got there yet. You should. You guys should. And then you should do, like, a road movie. Hi, guys. You and Dudo. <laughs> Uh, this is a uh, note about uh, me uh, talking about returning... Those headphones, this is from, mm-hmm. I believe, Jeremy Long. He says, hey, so the warehouse used... I, oh, I know what I was saying. I, I was asking you guys right. about uh, seeing the, the word used beside an item on Amazon. Right. He said, so the warehouse used deals are returned items that can be resold, makes sense, oh. or uh-huh. often just damaged packaging. Right. Jeremy says, I regularly buy the used items if the discount is significant, but I have been burned... And the item is missing something, but you can return them. I note on Amazon electronics like electronics like bulbs and extension cords, some are not UL or CSA approved and can cause issues. Keep that in mind. I guess that was because of your uh, Mm. buying light bulbs. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, should I read this one now or hold it? I guess I can. Well, Rob, read it now because you've already mentioned we're going to play it. Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. This is from... What's going on? It's the oh. one Tony. is from Tony. Oh, right. It's from Tony. Hold on a sec, Howard. I just flipped away from it. No, it's uh, okay. I, I realized I didn't put his last name in there, so it's, it's Tony, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, you were talking about the passing of Gilbert Godfrey, and... Uh, I couldn't help but notice uh, that you never mentioned the time you had him on this podcast back in your first studio uh, when he called in. Would be nice to replay parts of that interview. And, uh, you know, talk about getting old. My God. Like, I vaguely remembered him on the phone, but I had that 20 years ago at Mojo. But obviously it was somewhat uh, more recent. (laughs) Well, I forgot that completely. Yeah, here's how you know. Here's what's scary. I was talking to Charlie and Spencer last night. I dropped Spencer off at her place. We're talking about birthdays and how mm-hmm. Charlie was out of town for my birthday for Christmas. She was on the road, and then I said to Spencer, "What? What did we do for my birthday?" And I couldn't honestly couldn't remember. It was four months ago, and mm-hmm. I have no recollection of what mm-hmm. I was doing on January twenty fourth this year. Hi, none. Hi, 
Uh, this is about interns, and this is a long email from Colin in Kyoto. Uh, hi, guys. Surprise. Fred didn't ask about what type of device the intern, Kyle, was using to get his butt out of bed. Betcha he's never experienced the dreaded sounds of a real alarm clock, just the sweet atmospheric ripple of his Apple Watch. He goes on to say, uh, great, uh, glad you gave him a second chance. I'm right. This is Colin, who's writing from Japan, uh, where you are essentially late if you're not more than 15 minutes early. Oh, I see. In Japan, you're considered late if you're not there before. Uh, He said, I guarantee you wouldn't get a second date here. Goes on to say, I was uh, saddened to hear uh, Phil has declined to return to the show just for you guys. So we've invited Phil. Uh, da, 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 da. He goes, I thought, I wonder if Phil would be up for a really, really short segment, such as postcards from Phyllis and Pearl. Uh, we would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. And he goes on to say, finally, sorry, this is getting long, but how did Howard feel when Jack Nicholas teed off with Tom Watson and Gary Player to open the Masters? Uh, Colin from Kyoto, thank you very much for your email. Uh, for you people who don't know, the Masters has these ceremonial you know, first tee sort of opening ceremony. And it's for years, it's the all, you know, always it was Arnold Palmer and some other old guys and Nicholas and Gary Player. And uh, I guess I didn't realize at the time when he, when I saw that email, I thought, well, what do you mean? What do I think of it? And then I thought, oh, because Jack Nicholas, like Bobby Orr, was a big Trump supporter. I, I'm guessing that's what he means. Mm-hmm. And I'll answer it quickly, Colin. I never really thought about it. I haven't really thought about it much. Although the Bobby Orr thing came up the other day. I was talking to some guys on the golf course. I was saying Bobby Orr was my favorite hockey player. And they go, how do you feel about him now after the Trump thing? And I'm like, nah. You know, at the time it pissed me off. But now, you know, enough time has faded. Same with Nicholas. I can sort of more remember them for what I admired about them versus what I, you know, thought was ridiculous. So. Yeah, it takes nothing away from Bobby Orr as a hockey player. You just appreciate that he's a bit of a dope. That's all. Yeah, and I'm getting this weird. Even at the time, I remember like, wow, how can I, you know, I admire Jack Nicholas too. But, you know, you know, time has a funny thing of, funny way of doing that where you go, oh, well, I guess it's not that big a deal. That he, Hi, guys. You know, supporting a nut job. Hi, Sorry, go ahead. People saying they should take Will Smith's uh, 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 Oscar away. Well, what does that prove? You know what I mean? There's this and there's that. What he did on that stage with Chris Rock has nothing to do with how good he was in, uh, yeah, in 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 King Richard. And the thing is, okay, so take take the Oscar away. He still won the Oscar. You can't take that away. The fact that he won it was recognized as a person. And who do you give it to? <laughs> how would they feel? If, in fact, you gave it to anyone, it just makes no sense to me. And I agree. I'm going to give you a scenario where it might have made sense mm-hmm. or a different scenario, because Will Smith, his Oscar isn't, as you say, it's separate from the incident. But what about Bill Cosby? Like a lot of I don't know if you ever I can't remember if you've watched that documentary or not, but. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, it's amazing. It's called We Need to Talk About Bill Cosby. And one of the things, you know, he had all these doctorates, honorary degrees, and they've taken that all away. Because what Bill Cosby did, yes, on the one hand, he made such great progress and and inroads for blacks uh, and Mm -hmm. and culturally, and it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But what he was doing while that was going on, Mm-hmm. You 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 have to take that away from him because yeah I mean mm-hmm. you you what what station is going to run the Cosby Show now? 
Does it? Now, it's weird because that was a good show at the time, but mm-hmm. how would you feel about that? Should we take the Cosby show away, even though, you know what I mean? It's hurting those people that don't get money, reruns, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah, but that's a whole other world. Of oh, no, I know. Drugging and raping is a little different than one little slap. On I, I, that's why I say Will, Smith's, yeah. uh, Will Smith having the Oscar doesn't hurt. Chris Rock's not going to be reminded every day for 10 years that, you know, mm-hmm. he got slapped in the face. Mm-hmm. By the way, I get Men's Health magazine. And the latest have you ever Have you ever read it? (laughs) 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 Well, I'm about to tell you I have. The latest edition. There's a whole, like, feature on Will Smith and how he lost weight and stays in health for a guy that's 50 years old. Oh, really? Obviously, (laughs) it went to press before the slap. Yeah. I was laughing my bag off when I saw it yesterday. That's funny. Because it's all in there, obviously, with no reference to what happened at the Oscars. It was put to bed long before. But, oh, yeah, it's like a two-page feature article with Will Smith and how he stays in shape. <laughs> it was funny. You know, I told you about that guy in the state in the UK that I watched this documentary, Jimmy Savile. Excuse me. This guy received not only the order of whatever, like the order of Canada equivalent, but he was made yeah. a knight. He yeah. was knighted. This guy raped and and molested. Mm-hmm. At last count, I went on Wikipedia after I'd seen the second episode. Somewhere around 500 victims. Plus this mm-hmm. fucking super creep, Gary Glitter, who, you know, was off in Vietnam having sex with underage kids. He was part of this whole sort of group that. So my question is, he did, this guy raised a lot of money for charity, but they took it all. They took all his honors away. Yeah. Which you can see. Yeah. And again, Mm -hmm. different than Will Smith, because what he did is Mm -hmm. in a constant reminder to multiple Mm -hmm. victims. And and again, uh, look at it this way. They took all those honors away, but it doesn't change the fact that he was given them. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just a weird situation. But nobody knew at the time. Okay, one right. last one from our very, this is a Hi very guys. good friend of ours. Hi who's got Hi some uh, Hi guys. feedback on our program, Fred. Neil Morrison, uh, Brother Bill, uh, for those of you who used to listen to The Edge and uh, CFNY. Hi, guys. Hope you don't mind me dropping a note on a couple of things I've heard you speak on this week. Number one. In this guy's opinion, having your children on talking about being your children would be one of the greatest fucking bits <laughs> ever on Humble and Fred. Yeah. How about Dan's son on two? Which uh, did you run it by the girls last night? I did not. I haven't either, but I will. I'm afraid to. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid to say yes. <laughs> oh, it would be good. Oh, yeah. It would be embarrassing. Yes, it like would. there's stuff they'd bring up that I can't even that I haven't even remembered or because every you know what it's like every so often you're sitting around having dinner or something a story will come up and they'll tell you something you did and it's like oh shit I forgot oh, yeah. I did that yeah yeah I'm just okay. uh, yeah I'm afraid of uh, not just, uh, just his stories from you know the past but just what they think of me now it's like Jesus yeah 
Um, number two, the interview with the intern. Man, I was terrified for that kid when he signed on. Also appreciated brother uh, Steve from Edmonton, Howard's brother, his perspective and his story about the first interview. If I may, a quick story about my interview at CFNY in 1988. Do you want to pick it up from here or should I continue? Uh, you know, zip through it. It, it talks about, yeah, yeah. go ahead. After six months of pestering Ivor Hamilton for a job at the only station I ever wanted to work with, uh, work at in my 20s, I finally got a call about a producer job for the jazz show with Larry Green. Like Freddie, I could barely sleep the night before, and I think I arrived a couple hours early. Finally, after waiting, the PD came out and took me into his office. He grilled me hard for a good hour, scared the shit out of me. At the end of a very serious conversation, he leaned back, put his feet up on the desk and said... Oh, no, he was wearing fucking moose slippers. Uh, Then he leaned back, laughed uh, like no one I'd ever heard before. And that man was Don Burns. What a gem of a guy like you two fellers. Oh, Uh, good to always always good to hear from Brother Bill and everyone else. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. And a little subtle tie in to that radio station. Uh, our emails today are the Gig Sky guest of the day. You know, I thought, why not, man? Why not? Just give me a second here. I just want to make sure I have the latest. Uh, you know, actually, do me a favor, would you? You do, uh, you do one now, and then I will make sure I've got the last uh, message from Rudra here. All right, the Chambers Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan is the official name, but to get to the website, go to chamberplan.ca. If you have a small business and you've thought about a benefits package for your employees, this is the way to go. HumbleandFredRadio.com Incorporated is part of the Chamber Plan, and it's worked well for us. It really has. The security that you feel. I mean, look at us, Dunderheads. We start this podcast, create a business, and we actually have a benefits package. Is that not enough indication that it, it works for anyone? Really, it doesn't matter how big your business is. There is a plan for you. They, they do a great job at keeping the premiums down, too, because small businesses... You have to keep your costs under control, so knowing that the premiums are not going to be jacked every year is great, great uh, security. Chamberplan.ca If you need a hotel, rental car, or looking for things to do while you travel, we want you to start thinking about GigSky. GigSky Travel Rewards offers up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels globally. Uh, reduced... Uh, rates for rental cars. And you can book your um, theme park uh, adventures directly from your GigSky account. Here's how you do it. You visit GigSky.com slash travel rewards. Sign in and get more information about this amazing travel rewards program. And of course, in general, you know, you want peace of mind when you're out and about. It's pretty simple. All you do is get GigSky. Download the app for iOS or Android at GigSky.com. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. GigSky.com for more information. I had a lot of stuff going on during that. I, I apologize. The screen went dark for a minute. I had to... It doesn't matter, but I had to unplug 
the second screen and while I did that I couldn't see the copy and that's why it sounded like I was hesitant but I didn't want you to think that I was hesitant about the wonderful oh, world of gig sky do you know what they call um, there's a story that just briefly there's a some old golf course in the states and there's a bit of a problem with the caddies they're right. they're asking for some things and the right. club itself you heard this story no okay anyway there's some lawsuit pending and i was listening to pga tour radio yesterday you know like i do and they i just sort of caught the end of the story and they were talking about this and then they referred to the guys that run the caddy programs at these golf courses do you know what they're referred to as no now, have you ever heard the phrase caddy masters no yeah, it, and it's not just an American thing. I maybe it is because the, the the for years the people in charge of the caddies at all these old, you know, southern golf courses were called caddy masters, and I thought, are they still calling them that? <laughs> it seems a bit, I don't know, a little bit out of touch, doesn't it? The caddy I'd masters, say, yeah. I'd say. But I'd wondered if you'd ever heard that. I, I mean, I have because, no. I, I mean, I, it's not a phrase you hear a lot anymore. But when these guys were talking about this lawsuit, I'm like, they can't really be calling them caddy masters. Mm-hmm. You know, where, something. isn't that yeah, something, they, huh? They might want to change that. I'd say. Um, but uh, that's all. Uh, by the way, Johnny Slapshot, I signed him up yesterday for a kids golf clinic and a kids summer golf camp at Lionhead this summer. So. Wow. All excited about that. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to go out and hit golf balls with him again. Mm-hmm. He's going to be good. What a you know what a great gift. Um, I played on Monday with a really good golfer buddy of mine works for uh, Golf Canada, and he's probably in his early forties. And his son, same age as John, eight, nine, ten. And I asked him. I said, you know, you're gonna are you getting your kid into? He goes, oh yeah, he loves it. He, he just like John, he can't wait to play plays hockey in the winter. And I said the same thing. I said, what a, you know, it's a gift you're giving this kid because he'll he'll be able to do it for the rest of his life. Well, I discussed that with my daughter yesterday, as a matter of fact, and she even said that she likes the idea of him playing golf. Um, number one, because she's a mommy and she likes the non-contact aspect of it. <laughs> oh, sure. That came up. And uh and again, as I explained to her, and she agreed, it's sort of like, you know, it's the international sport of business. And you can't go wrong being able to know your way around a golf course because it ever, ever, you know, again, how often does that happen? Like no other sport. Let's play around a golf and talk business. And it's, and if you're not confident, you're embarrassed. How important, like, because I lived it. I lived that. But to be able to be competent enough that you're 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 confident if you're asked into those situations that you know you don't feel embarrassed because that sport even though it shouldn't you know what it's like standing up at the first tee if you're not very good and it's a bunch of guys that can play well and it, you know it's kind of attached to business on some level and anyway all those things go through my mind because I I want them to do well. It's almost like. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a weird analogy, but it's true. Like, I wanted both of my children to learn to speak French young mm-hmm. at a young age because I struggled with it. 
I never mm-hmm. got it. I, I, you know, I always wanted to be able to speak a second or a third language and never could. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I want these kids to, without even knowing why. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're three, four, five, and six, you just absorb it. Mm-hmm. Same with golf. When you learn it at John's age or, you know, mm-hmm. the age I started when I was 11, when you er- learn it young, you just always have it. And to your point, yes. whether you use it for business or not, or whether it's just something you could do, but John, is is he eight? Nine. Nine. Well, I'm 62. I'm still playing the game and enjoying it. Yeah, it was good for business, and that's great. And, and you're right. It's good to have a, a, I would say, not even being good at it, but being comfortable around it. Competent. Yeah. Competent, and mm-hmm. whether John ever gets to be a, an excellent player or not, and he and I, I listen, I was out with him last fall. He's got a lot of potential, but a lot of kids do because they don't mm-hmm. care. He's just wiry and bendy and not restricted by humility. <laughs> That's the problem with the game is that when you learn it as an adult, we're all restricted by how self-conscious we are. Mm-hmm. So that's just when I, I, you're giving him a great gift because he will always now know how to play it. I don't think anybody ever closed a deal playing shinny. You know what I mean? No, it's true. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe. But you know, you know the point I'm making. It's just one of those. Go out, enjoy the sunshine. Shoot the shit at the tee box and all the stuff that's involved with that sport. And again, us, you know, golf tournaments that businesses have. I mean, even outside of radio where you can actually go and, again, be competent as opposed to have the spotlight on you because you're so horrible. Happens to a lot of people. Yeah, and, and well, and again, it's one of those sports. You know, if you, if you were, if you and I were in a, if you could play shinny in a business setting, there's not the exposure if we're going out for a lunchtime throw the puck around have some fun no one's really examining you you know what i mean it's not right. there's no time to watch you take a shot and miss it yes. the problem exactly. when and and you know again it's a, it's a there's a saying in professional golf that you, if you're going to turn pro you have to be comfortable with a certain amount of humiliation and the reason you yes. say that is because listen i you know last weekend at the masters i saw several shots from you know top players that just weren't very good, and it's it's just part of the sport. But unfortunately, for the average player, we hit a lot of shots that are, you know, mm-hmm. not great. And, you, and then the worst part of it is everyone's standing around watching you do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this thing at Lionhead, it looks like a good program. I looked into it, and um, it's good. You know, it's just at his stage to have somebody that's worked with kids like you did with him that day you know you tell him things that i wouldn't think of and somebody at my level and maybe even his dad we tell him things but it could be completely wrong for that for that point of his development 100 percent you're, you're you sort so of want him there with people that have done it before and know how to get through to kids. Yeah, and, and Josh is so smart doing it because you know, like even having someone idiot like me, I have a couple little things I could tell him. But I know, right. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get him on started on the wrong, you know, path. But the fact that he's starting it all at this age—that's the secret sauce. Kids will learn. I learned how to play golf by imitating people I saw doing it, and so will yeah. he. Um, Dan Duran's news in a second. Did you want to make a, a quick point? Because I'm going to play the uh, Bow Dog commercial here. Oh, me? No, no. I'm saying Freddie. I oh. thought he was about to oh, say right. something. Okay. Oh, hi, Dan. Stand by, please, Dan. Oh, right. For this Bodog commercial. Your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. <sighs> 
you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Speaking of sports, there was a story from Major League Baseball. I know uh, Boone's going to come on. I want to talk about the Blue Jays and I think uh, some hockey stuff. But there was something that happened in Major League Baseball the other night, Fred, Mm. that had never happened before. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I think it happened before. Though, are you talking about pulling the guy no. in the seventh inning with a perfect game? No, no. What the oh. what? What? <clears throat> what? Why'd they pull yeah. him? Pitcher for the um, Dodgers yesterday in Minnesota, Kershaw had a, a perfect game going through seven innings, had thrown eighty pitches, and they pulled him from the game because of the pitch count <clears throat> because of the pitch count everything's so technical nowadays right like it was bizarre and people just couldn't understand it and even after the game he said yeah i would have liked to have stayed in but it was the right decision because we want to win i didn't think it was that genuine the way he said it i mean it was just bizarre but the manager pulled him based on pitch count and when it started we're not letting him go over 80 pitches it's early in the season and there was an abbreviated spring training so we're not going to risk his long-term health um yeah but really it was you know as kershaw said it was it was unfair to the catcher because it would have been fun for him to call a perfect game and the fans what about the freaking fans uh, you know, well, in the stands, on the verge of witnessing maybe you know something that you know is unique. It's it rare. Like so, it's like somebody seeing witnessing a, like a hole in one. You know what I mean? Like no, it's even I I don't know what the stats are, but I mean what you said there mm-hmm. about the game being technical. The strategy of the game of baseball is so different now. And they would have mm-hmm. they would have done that. They would have said, okay, this guy has this kind of you know pitch count in him so that he can keep playing at the level. But in that situation, that must have been tough for the manager. Like we're gonna we're gonna pull this guy because you don't expect it when you when you decide that at eighty pitches you're gonna sit down. You don't realize or you don't think at that time that he will have not had a. Well, the manager is Dave Roberts, and he's actually done it before. Oh, has he? Yeah, in 2016, apparently he was in a similar situation and did it. But, um. And this Clayton Kershaw, like he's an older guy, he may never get the chance again. Like, I just don't, this early in the season, and they were up by a lot of runs. Like, I just don't, I I don't get it. But again, I'm not the Isn't that Kershaw the kid that he's friends with uh, Scotty Scheffler? Maybe. I don't know. Isn't that what we were talking about the other day, that they had two friends in the major league? Was he one of them? I thought he was one of them. Anyway, that's not what I was talking about. All right. I thought that was. It wasn't. Go ahead. Can I ask you a question? You guys are both sports guys and and, and, and Mm -hmm. think about the uh, momentum of, you know, the mental situation. Isn't that kind of despite the statistics? Isn't there a point where uh, the mental side of the game takes over and you're running on a whatever it is, some sort of wave you'd want to just let him play through and. Yes, except they pulled him for to keep to keep. His arm fresh. Right. I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. That's why. That's the only reason they pulled it. There was no other. But <clears throat> how about, okay, go out for the eighth. But if you get in any trouble, you're coming out. Why not that strategy? And a perfect Just game. A, he, a only had si- he only had six more outs. Right. He only needed to strike out six more guys or get six more outs. Yes. And we're not, we're not talking no hitter. We're here. We're talking perfect game. 
Lots of guys throw no hitters. Very few throw perfect games. So, oh, what is a perfect anyway. game then? Just 20, uh, 27 up, 27 down. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No and, walks, no nothing. And and a, and a, so that's a but a, um, a no hitter is when you just give up no earned runs. You can have a walk. You can have. Yeah. I guess well, you, you give have, up no hits. You give up no you, hits. You can walk guys. Right. If you walk a guy during a no hitter, it's it's not a perfect game. It's a no hitter. So now the suspense has got to be killing you as to what happened in baseball yeah. that's never happened before. <laughs> yeah. For the first time in the major leagues, the first base coach in a game, I can't remember uh, the team. You probably now know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. First base coach had to come out of the game and into the game for the first time in major league history, a woman, a female human being coached a major league baseball game. She was put in at first. I don't know the name. Fred's looking it up now. It's and it the was, Giants. Alyssa. Nacken. So Alyssa was the first woman to get on, you know, to become a, uh, to get into a game as a coach in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. No, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I saw it. It's funny. I saw that yesterday. Uh, I didn't make a note of it. Maybe, you know, why would that be? Because it was significant. She even had a ponytail out down the back end. Uh, you know, the Not re- that, that means anything, but it just, it was like. Yeah, that's a woman. I listen to these guys on PGA Tour Radio. They're kind of like, they're, I like them. They're Katrick and McInnes. The one guy's a former tour player and the other guy's a longtime broadcaster. But I like their show because it's not just about golf. A lot of it's obviously it's golf, but they, they're, they're sports guys. Like, you know, they like to talk about other shit. And this came up on the, on the show and I was like, wow. First of all, I think that's great. I don't know what it means to be the first. I mean, is that a big deal to be the first base coach? I I thought when they started this story that I thought it was going to be about she became the manager for the game. But, uh, yeah. So is is she uh, is she somebody that's going to be a manager one day? Maybe. Who knows? Like nowadays? Sure. Why not? No, I meant, is that the path? Like, you're a first base coach, and then you become oh, yeah, the man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. She's on okay. the bench. Yeah, She's yeah, a bench I get it. coach, so who knows? Yeah. All right. We're going to get to uh, Toronto Mike here in a minute. I got so much to catch up about. We have to figure out. What, do you have time, Boone? Can you sit through uh, Dan's news? Because we haven't even got to that yet. And at some point, I'm cheers. Yes, cheers. Of course, uh, I'm here to enjoy Dan's news. By the way, news. this is what people say now. This when they say cheers, it means okay, I got it, or it could just be yeah, enough already. Stop talking. <laughs> cheers. Uh, all right, Dan Duran. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes and says for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. All right, today, Dan Duran's news. As is often the case lately, brought to you by... The wonder that is the Health Gauge Phoenix. Uh, If I may share uh, an email with uh, you, Uh, this is from Zach who says, My Health Gauge came in yesterday. I love it. This is real. I love it, says Zach. It only took this 39 year old 
to have open heart surgery, friends, to get one. I'm reading this verbatim, but love this product. Love the show. Thanks, guys. And Tim Daniels. This story from Real Life brought to you by HealthGage. HealthGage.com is where you go to make sure your blood pressure, oxygen saturation, and other things that can ward off a heart attack. In real time, HealthGage.com, Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. And now we continue with Dan Duran's news live from Lakeside. Humble and Fred present Dan Daru. An outraged Howard can calm down now and rest easy now that a notorious golf cart thief has been arrested in jail. Shiza. He was caught trying to steal golf carts from a dealership in Donaldsville, Georgia, or rather Donaldsonville, Georgia. He was also carrying pre-printed serial number labels and burglary tools. Digging deeper, investigators found out he stole at least 63 golf carts in seven states worth at least $283,000. He would typically steal carts in pairs from rural Midwestern golf courses, usually at night. And then he fenced them at a cost of around 2500 bucks each. So, yeah, you know, in some of those places in those golf communities, you're allowed to drive. I think I told you this, Dan, in California, they have a... The bike lanes in the community I was in also include golf carts, like that you can golf cart on the street. On the bike lane? It, it, well, it's a it's a wider bike lane that also includes oh, you know okay. a bunch of people going in and out of their white people communities um, <laughs> hey, and their golf carts. Where I stayed, uh, Panama City Beach, actually Laguna Beach. There's signs on the road saying "Golf Cart Community." Sure, you can drive the golf carts like anywhere on the road. Well, this is what I'm saying. This was in the town. They were driving it between their communities in the little town, not in Palm Springs itself. And they're not the normal golf carts you're talking about, Daniel. These are like souped up, you Mm -hmm. know, they got like radios and shit and coolers and Mm -hmm. bag wheels and some of them. Yeah, (laughs) some of them. Some are pretty fancy. Uh, Dan Duran, will you uh, favor us with a second story before... uh, you know, one of this uh, program's favorite segments, what's Boone thinking? A bunch of teens somehow turned a really bad idea into a good idea, even though it was still a really bad idea. In Florida, where such things happened, these teenage boys were dicking around looking for something to do when two of them thought, hey, let's shoot each other wearing bulletproof vests for uh, vests for fun. So round one, the vest stopped the bullet. They changed places. Round two stopped the bullet. And then the one of the next four rounds went through and killed the guy. A real tragedy Jeez. in a state where nine millimeter pistols are just laying around ready for this kind of thing. How old were these kids? 16, 17, and 18. Isn't that something? Yeah, I guess it's just because we're not part of that culture. Mm-hmm. You know, my our parents, for the most part, didn't have guns in the house. No. But if you grew up around one, you might think I at guess. age 16, hey, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, come over after school. Let's shoot each other. Mm-hmm. See how that goes. This, we haven't shot this thing for a while. Let's, <laughs> That's right. Hey, I've got an idea. After school, you want to come to my house and just shoot each other with guns? Okay. You know, <laughs> I was reading something not long ago. Um, 
about gun laws in the United States and everything and this whole idea of security, having gun in the house and feeling safer. The percentage of people that have ever, and this is good news for the states, I guess, percentage of those people that have ever actually had to use it, reach for it, even think about using it, it's like fucking point zero 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 one. So this whole idea, you know, it's sort of been built into the culture through, you know, the NRA and all that bullshit. Oh, you gotta have a gun in case somebody breaks in. Well, that never happens. Never happens. Where I get disturbed is, and again, it's obviously to be provocative, you'll always say Mm -hmm. somebody will post a picture of someone at a coffee shop with an AR-15 slung Mm -hmm. over their shoulder. To me, that's Mm -hmm. a bit much. Like I'll, I'd say, it's just if you want to go, okay, you know, open carry, whatever the fuck that is. I guess if you're walking around with a pistol, maybe. But if you're walking around with something that needs a strap, <laughs> that seems a bit aggressive. Also, because we haven't talked about this, and I, I'm going to say this, just found it strange though that New York City subway shooting the other day. Yes. First two things I thought was because uh, it came from Brooklyn and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Spent right. a couple of years commuting from Brooklyn mm. to Manhattan. Right. So I thought, oh, my God, you know, because that could have happened. She lived in that neighborhood. So I called sure. the second thing. I called her. I go, did you ever? Because I've been on the I took the train with her. Mm-hmm. I said, is that the train you took in? She says, I don't think so, Daddy. I think it's it's in that area. It was in a similar. Mm-hmm. You got on right. in a similar place. But here's my question. This guy goes on there. Gas mask and gas everywhere. And you just start shooting at people. Mm hmm. 29 people were injured. Nobody, nobody, nobody got, died. Nobody died. Is That's he, weird. That it, well, and again, not to be crass, but is he that bad a shot? I mean, fuck. I guess. <laughs> no, but I know it's terrible to say that. But no, I mean, how are 29 people shot? Dan, I'm asking nobody, you, you're in yeah. charge oh, of the well, news. Oh, well, you know what? I, Howard. I think if, there was... Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. In that confined area. Yes. Like, there was some... I read something about that and that there was... A, he put off these smoke bombs. Yes. So there was lots of smoke in the air, so he couldn't see his targets, I guess. Uh, that, that helped save some people. Yeah, but in a subway shot. car, just shooting like crazy... How does like, somebody not get it? Yeah. And again, I know it sounds terrible, but I, I mean, I'm not trying to make a joke of it. I just was curious. I'm sure I'm not the only one thought. 29 people shot in a subway car. We've all been in them especially down there and there's smoke everywhere that not one person anyway clearly the work of the lord well that is that is exactly what happened jesus stepped in and went no more (laughs) ukraine you're fine but in the subway Mm -hmm. here like the lord the lord said i will let these people be terrorized in, in you know in uh whatever it was tear gas i'll let them be terrorized through that in tear gas but i'll make sure no one dies thank you god that's right and while he was doing that uh people were being you know uh terrorized in the ukraine but he's got no time for that right now well that was the devil we got the devil did that remember <laughs> that's right the <laughs> devil <Can> you imagine <laughs> fucking childish that is Voldemort. Oh yeah, you know Voldemort is real. <laughs> Listen, I knew somebody that was the that was the default. It's the devil. Oh yes, right. Devil, devil. But mm-hmm. uh, all right, Dan Duran. Do you have any more stories? No, that's about it for right. uh, for this week. Yeah. Dan Duran, Dan. Fred, are you uh, caught up on uh, all the responsibilities you have? 
Well, I just want to talk about tonight's Leaf game. They play the Capitals. The Capitals are a somewhat competent team, so I guess the Leafs will show up. It's the shitty teams they don't uh, show up against. But again, you can go to Bodog and wager on this game. The Maple Leafs are favored tonight. Uh, minus 165 on your Leafs, uh, plus 145 on the Capitals. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. Yes, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's a long time. And uh, quickly before we leave sports and get to what's on Boone's mind, the regular Thursday feature. Uh, I know I've mentioned this before. And again, if you're not a golf, if you're not interested in golf, then, you know. But it is a story that is, it's a huge story in the world of golf and sports because the Saudi Golf League which a lot of uh, news uh, around uh, sort of February, March, Phil Mickelson was tied to it, and he's gone off on a sabbatical. But it turns out that they've actually announced now that three or four fairly prominent names from the world of golf, PGA Tour, and the European Tour have signed with this league. And one of the big pushbacks of it is, and I thought of this recently, you know, golf for the most part is a sport where the the golf the organization doesn't pay you except if you win which is what i've always loved about golf is that you don't make money unless you perform unlike everyone that was on the field in whatever your sport was last night all got paid whether they had a shitty game or not so the saudi golf league has come along and they basically have guaranteed to some of the stars of the game a salary uh uh an amount of money to play in their league. And, of course, the golf world is like, oh, yeah, what about the competition? What's the, what's the, what's the use of winning the tournament if you're already being paid? And I thought, well, well what, say that to everyone else in sports. You know, Tom Brady wants to win a game. Whether he's, Of course, he's already made his $40 million, but winning the game to an athlete is still the most important thing. Anyway, so this thing is going to start up. Uh, you know these names. Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion couple other guys from the european tour that only someone like me would know ian poulter and uh, lee westwood and uh yeah it's it's interesting to see it take place because it's, it's the first time you know i've been watching this sport a long time that something like this has come along and I, again i'll i'll finish by saying the other big pushback is that it's saudi money you know of course the americans go oh, why would you take all that dirty saudi money which i get saudi arabians don't have a great human rights uh-huh. record but you can make the same case for, uh, you know, a lot of other companies and American companies that support, you know, uh-huh. different regimes around the world. Right. Now, this Saudi league, the courses, how big are the sand traps going to be? Holy <laughs> Christ. <laughs> that was a joke waiting for Fred to take. You know, I'm surprised at you. I'm really what? surprised. That's what you what? took away from all that? No, I Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're not being played in Saudi Arabia. Although some of them oh, I'm sorry. Oh, just, did Jesus you? Christ. Good luck staying out of the sand over there. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be a big story, and uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it to you, because it'll, it's in another month from now, it is gonna, uh, it's going to change that sport. It's going to change the way people watch it. It's a lot of money. They have $3 billion, apparently, set aside 
and the, and the phrase everyone's throwing around is something called sports washing. You ever heard that phrase? No. Sports washing is uh, what the Saudis are trying to do. They're trying to sports wash their their image. They're trying to wash the image of Saudi Arabia through supporting all these other sports, including F1, soccer, so, and now golf. You say that in North America, these tournaments will be taking place off hours. No, they'll be taking place. Uh, they're they're taking place in North America. There's three. Tur- they're going to be taking place all over the world. There's eight tournaments this first year. Three oh. of them are in the states. Really? Several are in Europe. Some are in Asia. Oh, okay. Are these notable courses? Uh, so, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course. One of them is Trump's uh, course in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Is that a good course? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. It's the best course. It's, it's the best course. <laughs> Always the best. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. it's good. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, Never been a course like it. Mm. That's a little uh, golf news. Now we turn our attention to Mike Boone, everybody. Booner. Boone. I'm just trying to get his uh, email here. Hey, now. By the Uh, way, Howard, yes, the uh, Kershaw did go to that high school with Scheffler, and the other guy was Stafford. That's the uh, the trio. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I was a little confused about the email. You said Fred's... Fred and then in brackets and Howard's funeral jams. Was this something you guys had planned? No, no, know. no. You on your show, which I listened to. It's a great show. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Was it yesterday? You, you did a bit where you were talking about like if if Fred died, what jam would you play? Maybe oh, I imagined see. By John Lennon. Oh, and I'm, right. So I'm listening to this bit and I'm okay. thinking. <laughs> okay. I have a pristine recording of each of you playing your 10 favorite songs of all time and telling people why you love those songs. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that when one of you kicks the bucket, which will happen eventually, oh, yeah. I can like pounce on that with this great content. Like, let's hear Fred tell us why he loves Imagine by John Lennon mm-hmm. in his voice, his words at his funeral. I love that. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. what will my, do you have mm-hmm. me talking about my funeral song? Yeah. So I've got you both. And I just want to say a real life example is two weeks ago, a high school friend of mine, uh, her name is Becky. She passed away suddenly at the age of 48. And I had, because I do these FOTM kick out the jams where like listeners can send in Mm -hmm. uh, like a 30 second clip of why they love their favorite song. I had this audio of It's Tragically Hip's World Container and Becky telling us why she loves this song. And I was able to share that with people, including her family. And it was really, like, cathartic for her family to, like, hear this uh, when Becky passed. I think this is something we should do for everybody. Everybody should record themselves talking about why they love their favorite song. I agree. And then when Dan comes on to kick out the jams (laughs) on the Toronto (laughs) mic, you'll have to get that from him. Mm -hmm. Howard, what was your number one when you did the mic thing? I can vaguely remember. Uh, Was was Imagine number one for me, Mike? Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you guys I, yeah. talk? I will. I mean, I have a spreadsheet. Sheds, uh, sorry, a spreadsheet with. I know what mine data. was. But, what, uh, was what was yours? Deacon yeah. Blues. Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah, that, I was just thinking that you know you wouldn't have to think very long about what songs mm-hmm. did Freddie love. You know. You know, there's um a song that it's it, from. It's old, but I heard it a while back, and I, I had never heard it before. And I'm not a big fan of Adam Levine and Maroon 5. They're a little too sucky for me. And when we first went to the mix, this love is... was We played every fucking half hour, and I hated that song. But they have a song called Memories, and it chokes me up whenever I hear it. 
Oh, oh so you don't uh, hate Maroon 5 anymore? Well, it's not that I don't... No, I don't care for Maroon 5. It's just I heard this song and I thought, it sounds like Adam Levine. And then I, I heard it and I thought, that's a sweet song. And it's Maroon 5 and Adam Levine. And, and it just because it's, you know, memories of your life. I, I think that uh, your opinion of their band was colored by that time in our lives. Because in subs- I, I think this guy's talented. I've heard him on Stern. Sure he is. And I, you know, whether their music appeals to everyone, but yeah, I know this song. Um, you can't... You can't argue with how good he is. You know, I couldn't name one other person in Maroon Five, and I bet you neither could they. Mm-hmm. What a great, what a great gig being the guitar player in Maroon Five. You just go about your business. You know, no one's ever bugging you. Yeah, I like this song. Uh, so there you have it. So, uh, so Fred, your 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 top jam. You have John Lennon's Imagine on your ten, along with Hall and Oates and uh, Redbone, of course, and Bare Naked Ladies and Crowded House and Beatles, etc. But your number one jam is Bob Marley and the Whalers jamming. Oh, really? Okay, right on. Well, good stuff. And uh, what about mine? Yeah, uh, your number one was Deacon Blues. Deacon I can Blues. confirm that. But you also, I was surprised that like Gordy Sampson is there, which is great. And, and yep. Frank Sinatra and Paul Simon and the Beatles, Bare Naked Ladies, of course, Tom Waits, R.E.M., Randy Newman. The Randy Newman. Hip. I love Randy Newman. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. All right. So we got a bunch of uh, stuff to get through here. And then, uh, Fred, we have a meeting oh, at 10. Stuff. Freddie, we have a oh, little do. call at 10. Are you around? Do we? Yeah. With uh, this guy. Oh, okay. Right on. Right on. Um, okay, Mikey. So let's talk Gilbert Godfrey just for a moment. Yes. Uh, by the way, did anyone on this Zoom uh, ever listen to his podcast, uh, Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast? I uh, did not. Okay. So yeah. one of my favorites, one of the few podcasts I actually listen to regularly. Uh, I just love how he like extracts like old Hollywood stories from these guests. And uh, so shout out to that podcast. People should check it out. But yes, you did have Gilbert Godfrey on the phone in 2014. Like a, a fifteen-minute phone call with Gilbert. <laughs> I love, really? I love the fact that about we really did. He kind of remembered it. I had no recollection of it, like none. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember it either, or I would have like said something. But I have just you know while while you recorded this morning, I put the interview in its entirety on your Facebook page. Like, I see so that. everyone can go to the Humble and Fred Facebook page and hear all seventeen minutes of Gilbert Gottfried on Humble and Fred. So, are you going to play some audio now? Well, I wanted to play 30, no, 15 seconds of Gilbert's real voice because, of course, uh, Gilbert talked like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this infamous, I guess, like uh, voicemail that Gilbert left for Bubba Bowie of the Howard Stern show. Mm-hmm. So can I just play 15 seconds? Yeah, so yeah, hear for what sure. Gilbert, this is what he really sounds like. Yeah, Gary, it's Gilbert. Okay. I'll probably be there tomorrow, but um, if you could call us, uh, call me up. And just tell me what exactly is going on tomorrow, you know, what's, you know who's going to be there and everything like that. So that's Gilbert's real voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when he's not putting on his uh, shtick. Yeah, it's funny. There was a guy you guys may remember around the time of Sam Kennison. There was another guy, fairly famous comedian named Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. still great. He's still that, great. Yeah. And he's a director now. I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I think he still does stand up. But he put that voice on. It was kind of a cool little shtick, but it's hard to keep that screaming kind of thing going for 
your whole like somehow Gilbert life. did it like every time he knew he was somewhere public like yeah. he had a phone call with you guys or his podcast or stand up or a roast mm-hmm. he went into that that voice like just mm-hmm. consistently like that voicemail to Bubba Booey is like the only public mm-hmm. uh, note of the, his actual speaking voice like when he's home talking to his kids and his wife mm-hmm. or well, if he t- spoke that way to his kids, they would have been in therapy <laughs> like young. <laughs> I- I've <laughs> seen that. Why are you yelling at me all the time? I'm not sure if it, Mike, if it's a documentary or a series I saw, but I- I've seen some video of him at home interacting with his yeah. kids, and he was just such documentary. a yeah. It's a documentary. Such oh, a Gilbert. sweet guy, just a really good guy, and just what's it called again, Mike? Gilbert, I believe, is the name of that doc. It was a photo, I don't know, five years ago, and it's very good. And I will say that uh, I liked him because, A, he was funny, but I loved that he was fearless. Like, he didn't give a fuck no, when I he know. offended and when he did it. And how many comics out there are as fearless as that? Like, who can afford to be that fearless? Well, that was well, my point yeah. to these guys yesterday, that, you know, seeing him do a, a showcase, which is a big deal in most comics' life, to see him do a showcase in front of tons of industry people, movie stars and famous people, and then just fuck around at the beginning of it. I'm like, what is he doing? I, I couldn't even imagine it. Do you want to hear like the first 30 seconds and then I could fade it down? Yeah, let's play a little bit of it. Okay, and then I'll watch you for like the sign to bring it down. Here we go. Please welcome one of the most recognizable voices and recognized as one of the uh, greatest comedians that's ever done comedy type of things. It's Gilbert Gottfried, ladies and gentlemen. How is it even oh, the, possible? The crowd has gone wild. Well, we actually have uh, assembled quite a crowd. And, you know, it's funny because we have a lot of people that work with us and for us. And when we said we're going to talk to Gilbert, they were like, really? Is that even possible? Does he even speak to idiots like you? I, <laughs> I said, I'm asking, I'm asking myself that now. Exactly. You're thinking, how desperate am I to promote this book that I'm going to do the Humble and Fred show? Uh, yes. <laughs> Hello, you Gilbert. Made welcome welcome back. We had you on our show several years ago, and that was a pleasant experience as well. And so much has happened in between. Uh, yes. Uh, go ahead. Bring up what's happened in between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it was funny. We used to work on a radio station where we did a typical morning show, okay, okay. and we played so songs, I and uh, you came. So, so that would have been 2014. Yeah, 2014. May, I think. And but it's all, in its entirety... Humble and Fred Hundy P should go to the Facebook page and listen. And Fred, when you were referred to, we had you on our show seven years ago. I don't. What was several years. Several. Ago. Oh, okay. Oh, several well, years. Ago. You, Howard, I think we did at Mojo. We did. We had him on too. Well, you, you talked about it the other day. It sounded yes. like it wasn't a great experience. But maybe so, that well, experience you're talking about was was the experience I referred to having him on at Mojo on the 16th floor. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Because I remember him coming in. It was being, it was very, you know, difficult. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, listen, Jesus, I wish I could go, yes, you are correct, sir. But I know. I You've met remember. so many famous people. Well, you that's it. Track them mm-hmm. all. I can uh, imagine. Mikey, what do you have left on the uh, schedule here okay. for you to, uh, you want to talk about a yeah, couple I other things? Say, yes. I'm glad you're giving the sleepy intern, which is now his nickname as far as I'm concerned, but I'm glad <laughs> you're giving the sleepy intern a second chance. Yes. Like, 
he was great in the phoner and yeah he slept in and that's uh and you could say that's the third rail done but the next one's the third rail like you guys are going to be a compassionate uh, empathetic bunch and you're going to give him this last chance but i was curious like what instructions has he been left with like have we given him an assignment yet interesting uh-huh. you say that dan have you had any uh contact with him not as of yet hmm well, okay, uh, so... No, I, I gave him my phone number. I saw that. Quick email thing. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so we gave him our... I, I think we were pretty clear with our assignment on Tuesday, were we not? What yeah. was it? To produce some content, to do a 60-second oh. audio, whatever he wanted, whatever content, imaging for the show, whatever, imaging. right? Yeah imaging for the show so for some reason uh i got an email from him last night oh at eight twenty-two. Oh, hey howard just wanted to make sure i'm correct on this you want me to produce some imaging content for next week right mm-hmm. anything specifically the only imaging i'm aware of is the short spots with lots of attention grabbing sound to brand the market and market the show would you want me to produce a series of pieces just wanted to clear it up Hmm. Well, that's good. He's uh, yeah. he's, he's ready to rock. He wants some clarification. Well, before it's good. You know, yeah. You know, he one of his instructors is John Vercello. So right. We said if you have any questions, John will know exactly what we're talking about. So I sat down and sent him a long, you know, pretty detailed instructions. I won't give it. I won't get into it now. But I just want you to know, I gave him a lot of different ideas. I gave him some examples from our show. I said. You know, your choice, uh, clips, bits, vocal drops, references, whatever you want. I said, here, and uh, it's funny, Dan, I, I found this because you had, maybe, oh, maybe it was Boone who sent this to me, but I said, here's an example. You sent it, Mike, aren't you? The thing that makes us really different is how we think. Amen, Fred. What we believe is important. Amen, Fred. The ways we look at life. Amen, Fred. So that's a pretty good example, of course, uh, one of our favorites, Jamie Watson, and I'm not sure who produced it. Yeah, that was for your number one in 97, yes. Spectacular. So I gave him a bunch of ideas, and I included that, and, and then I sent it to him, and I, I haven't heard back, so we'll see. It's, Monday, it's Tuesday, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it. I'm going to follow up with him and book him for his, uh, to, so we can play this and you guys can critique it. And this is going to be fun. I think now we kind of we know the story. He's on his last uh, his last strike, as they say. So sleepy here. intern Kyle Kirby. <laughs> right. I like the whole the whole name. It's our sleepy intern Kyle Kirby. Okay. And Mike, after off air, we told him that mm-hmm. you know. If there's no time or he couldn't fit it in or he didn't understand in the end, just don't even bother telling us. Just forget it. Just don't even show up. Just ghost you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting yeah, for him. Yeah, we're guy. all rooting for him. It's oh, great, you know. Yeah, rooting. Yeah, for rooting. We're Rooting. Someone's not, rooting. Someone's not rooting for him. Who's not rooting, rooting for Kyle? Rooting tooting. So last note, I know I just 
one, I'd say that I watched Vladdy hit three home runs last night, and uh, I was at that g- garbage game, Fred, against the Sabres, where I was hoping Austin Ugh. would score two so I could see a 60th live, because I never get the games, but I was there. But obviously, that was a dog with fleas. But the fact that we have, potentially, I would say the, the, both the Blue Jays and the Leafs have very young superstars who could be MVPs in their respective leagues, that's never happened before. No, did we mention? No, it hasn't. Didn't uh, we mention this on the show the other day? It's weird because the whole time I've watched the Maple Leafs since I was 10 years old, they yes. never had like a superstar. Mm-hmm. They've had stars, but no superstars. Austin Matthews is a superstar, arguably the best player in the league right now. Yeah. And we may have the best player in baseball, too, with Vladdy. It's just so un-Toronto. It's, yeah, it seems I weird. Scary. I, in fact, You're I'm right not even sure I believe it. The huh? two of you guys. I'm, I think you guys are just making that up. No, it's weird. Yeah, it, it sounds weird. like being from Toronto, it sounds like you're making it up, but it's like true. No, it's we've weird. had top 10 guys like Gilmore was top 10 for a couple oh, yeah. years and Sundin sure. was top 10, but we've never, I don't think we've had top five guys before. We've, never, we've never had like a Sydney or a Lemieux. We've never had a superstar. We did have the number one pick where you get your Mario Lemieux. We had Wendell Clark, who I loved, but he was no Wendell, you know, he was no Mario. So yeah, no no, no offense. Wendell Clark, Wendell Clark, that pick, they were, <laughs> was before VHS tape. So mm-hmm. let's. 85. It's I been a while. I, I was going to say it's 80. I knew it was the mid 80s. <laughs> and Wendell was a great pick and Wendell was a star, but he yeah. was not a superstar. No, he um, wasn't. Yeah. Matthews is at how many goals now, Mikey? 58. And how many games left? There's a good chunk, right? Fred's eight or nine. I got a. Yeah, I think nine. Okay. But is, is that the league yeah. leading amount of goals? What yeah, about he's played a fewer games. Oh, yeah, than by all eight. Yeah. And what about what's his best. face in uh, Edmonton? What's he doing? 50. Oh, okay. That's dry sidle, not. This is actually, Fred, if you break it down, this is the greatest goal-scoring performance of any player of this century. Is it? And he passed uh, Rick Vive a while ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was 54. Okay. That's still pretty good. So there's nine regular season games, and I say at the most five or six playoff games, and it's over. (sighs) You never know. You never know. I I think like you, Fred, but I hope uh, hope springs eternal. The goaltending is a fucking mess. But getting back to Rick Vi for a second, is 54 goals not a superstar number of goals? No, not that year. Like, you have to look at what era. Like, at that time, Gretzky was putting up. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. It happened when, uh, yeah, that's right. If you didn't score 50 goals, you didn't get on the first page. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, that's enough show for anybody. (laughs) That seems like a lot of show. Dan Duran, are you... uh, are I'm ready re- for the you? weekend. Okay. All of you. I know it's been a lot of work for you this week. We appreciate it. Long um, weekend. Now, Mike, do you want to let us know what's happening sure. when we come yes. back after Monday? Okay, so Monday we're celebrating the uh, Christ is rising, so we're going to celebrate that Monday, oh. no show Monday. Yeah, he's risen on Sunday, but we're going to hang out with him on Monday. And then Tuesdays, sorry, i got to press this button here, but Tuesday do you have a mouse? Doing- if you had a mouse, Dan thinks you'd be a lot more oh, efficient. Oh, I don't need a mouse. Exactly. Jeff Lumby makes... <laughs> Jeff Lumby makes his, you know, to each his own on the mouse front. Exactly. Thank you, Mike. Mm. On Tuesday, the uh, return of Jeff Lumby to the program. He'll give us an update on his life in France. And Wednesday, the return of Jackie Delaney to the program. Very nice. And another guest list Thursday. Uh, How was your guest list Thursday? Was it great? Went by like uh, nobody's business. Well, we had a guest. We had Dan Duran. We had emails. It all seemed fine. Yeah, no guests. That's family. That is family. Your family. All right, everyone. Enjoy your long weekend and uh, stay safe. This episode and of Humble strong. and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the retirement Sherpa, the oh, Chambers hold on, plan. Hold on, what's that? But Fred's making a face. I thought you were going to have the joke updated. Oh, fuck. You don't oh. want to do it after I'll Easter. do it. I'll do it on Tuesday. 
It'll All be right. good. It'll still be good Tuesday. Okay. Uh, Jesus said Rose and then some sale and then they came back. Okay. <laughs> Dan, please. Fuck you, Boone. Bodog and Health Gauge. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember to listen for Tuesday's Big Joke on the He Is Risen show. We'll hear long reviews of awkward Easter dinner moments. So like and subscribe. I like you and subscribe. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands.